Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and you're listening to my Writing Table Podcast. Alyssa Friedland attended Yale University, where she served as managing editor of the Yale Daily News. She's a graduate of Columbia Law School and subsequently worked as an associate at a major firm. Prior to law school, Alyssa wrote for several publications, including Modern Bride, New York Magazine, Columbia Journalism Review, CBS, MarketWatch.com, Yale Alumni Magazine, and Your Prom. She grew up in New Jersey and currently lives in New York City with her husband and three young children. Last summer at the Golden Hotel came out May 18. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, thanks for having me. Before writing novels, you wrote for a variety of prestigious magazines and literary reviews. How did that bring you to writing fiction? I mean, it was actually really more simultaneous. My career really before writing was being a lawyer. I wanted to be a journalist when I was in high school, when I was in college, and I did a little bit of freelancing and summer jobs, and it got some good bylines in that way. But ultimately, I ended up going to law school because I was afraid. Like, I just didn't actually understand how do you make a career as a writer and support yourself. Because while I did get these bylines, many of them were either unpaid or tiny, you know, paltry amount of money for something that would take me a really long time. Then, of course, when it comes to writing a novel, there's like no guarantee it'll ever get published. So I kind of like chickened out a little bit, to be honest. And said, I'll go to law school. Like, yeah, sure. I could always go back to writing 20, 30 years down the road. Being a lawyer seems like that would be very intellectually challenging. And law school is interesting. I went to law school. It was fine. It just was not my passion. Like, yeah, I like academic environments. I like being on university campuses. I teach at a university. So like, I like that setting. But ultimately, when I actually had to be a corporate lawyer, not only did I find it really boring, I was also like incredibly bad at it. And I think that it's because I didn't like it. Like, I like to think if I was interested in it, I would have done the work and figured out how to be good at it. But if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing and it doesn't interest me, I kind of phone it in. Luckily, I love writing. So when it comes to writing, I am not phoning it in. I'm totally giving it my all. And as far as like the articles go, like I, you know, it's definitely not my main focus. I work mostly on my novels. I started teaching novel writing. But like when an idea comes to me that wouldn't lend itself to a full length book, I will ask, you know, my publicist to pitch me around for articles. Because there are like, I've written articles about, you know, my marriage during COVID. You know, that's not a full length novel, or at least not the full length novel I'd want to write, but it's perfect for an article. And so when those ideas come to me, that's what lands me in the magazines. So where are you teaching? So I teach at Yale and that's also where I went. And so I've just completed my second semester teaching there and I teach novel writing and I love it. It's great. I mean, I taught virtually this past semester, which had its challenges, but ultimately I'm glad I did it. So can you tell us how you made that segue between writing articles to your first book? I mean, it's really a story of just me and my computer. Basically, I had an idea for my first book and I didn't quit my law job until I had a firm idea and I was out on maternity leave for a few months. And I decided like, let me try to write. The baby was like, not saying it was easy having a baby by any means. It happened to also coincide with the summertime, which was a slower time in general. My husband was around a lot more. And so I had this baby that slept a lot and I was totally on leave from my job. And I was like, I have an idea. I'm going to try to see not how much I could write, but just how I like writing a novel. This is totally long form. I'd never plotted anything out that would span like 300 pages. And I wrote quite a bit over maternity leave. I gave it to my brother-in-law, who's like really honest. And he read it and he's like, 
instead of being like, I liked this or that, he started saying to me, like, how do you do that? How did you come up with this great idea? Like, I like it so much. He clearly was like very taken with the material. And that gave me sort of the inspiration to keep going. I went back to my job, you know, because I felt like I owed them some time. I spent a few more months there after my leave. And then after Christmas, I quit. It's like a story of me and my computer, like me all by my lonesome. Like now writing is like very social for me because I have a lot of writer friends. In a non-COVID world, I go to a lot of book launches, book parties. I have lunch and coffee with a ton of writers. We travel together for events. But like me for my first book before it's published, it's like just sitting alone in a room with my computer. And I did it. And I it took a long time. I was motivated, but without a publishing contract. There were definitely days where I just didn't feel like it, or I just didn't put my butt in the chair. And I felt like super distracted by other things. Now that I work under contract, I feel like I get it done because I have no choice. Last summer at the Golden Hotel was reminiscent of these lengthy summer vacations depicted in Dirty Dancing and Marvelous Miss Maisel. It's the perfect summer book. So what inspired you to write that novel? It was really building off my previous novel, The Floating Feldmans, which has some similar themes. That book takes place on a cruise ship and it's a multi-generational story of a family that's not entirely estranged, but they're not in love with spending time together. And they are forced together onto this cruise ship for the grandma's 70th birthday. And it was a multiple point of view story. And I loved writing from different genders and different ages. And that was like the happiest I could be as a writer. I liked the sort of... It kind of like... I definitely have touches of attention deficit disorder. And that works for a multiple point of view. I'm like, all right, I'm sick of writing about the last summer at the Golden Hotel. I'm like, all right, I'm done with Brian. Now I feel like writing an Amy chapter. Now I feel like writing a Phoebe chapter. And I love the getting to bounce around from character to character. And I think it makes for a great novel when you have a wide cast of characters because almost every reader finds somebody that they identify with. Absolutely. I loved in The Floating Feldman's, you even jumped into, was it the cruise director? You know, first I was like, okay, wait, how is he going to fit into this? And then every time he'd pop in, it was like, oh, this is so nice because he's responsible for making this family have a good time. You get a chance to see, you know, behind the scenes that he's got to kind of park his issues. And and so anyway, you do a beautiful job of that without the reader feeling like you're head hopping. You know, when you are in that character, you are in that character and you do this thing. And I was going to ask you about that. It is seamless. You know, I'm an audiobook person. So I'm listening to the audiobooks, the bulk, and you don't hear the brake screech like, okay, now we're stopped with Amy. Now we're going to go to this one. So when you're transitioning, how do you keep up with all these characters, plot lines without making it muddy? Oh, I wish I could say that I outlined and I have meticulous outlines and timelines, but I don't. And I can't I don't that way. I'm not a linear thinker. I'm not an outliner. I can't be creative when I'm constrained by something like an outline or something like a timeline. I really follow my gut. I try to feel what the reader would want. I try to feel what I want and get in touch with what I want. I know where the story is going to go next. So when I finish a certain scene, like they're, you know, finishing lunch, okay, in the hotel, and there's a lunch scene and and a fight happens at lunch. Well, I, I think whose brain would we want to be in for the lunch? Like if this fight is going to happen, and a bunch of the families are going to be involved, which character would be the most interesting to have his or her thoughts? And then I choose that way. And then sometimes it comes down to like, I miss a character. It's been three or four chapters and we haven't been in their head in a while. And I bring them back. 
it's a lot of just following my gut. With last summer at the Golden Hotel, I, I refused to be constrained by following a formula. Like I didn't want it to be a rotating chapters. Like after Brian always comes an Amy chapter and after Amy always comes a Phoebe chapter because they're not necessarily in the story the best person to tell the next part of what happens. And so I didn't follow a formula in that way. You might have a Brian chapter and then a couple in between and then Brian again, you know, because I feel like it's important to get back with him. And I also don't give every character the exact same amount of chapters. Mm -hmm. This story has a lot of characters to keep track of. And so they don't all have exactly equal airtime in the book. I'm really guided by my gut. I hope it's successful. Like audiobook readers have Julia Whalen's amazing talent. She breathed incredible life into these characters. And I think that the audiobook experience is unbelievable for this book. But what audiobook readers don't have is the family tree which is in the beginning of the book. Although I think for free, you should be able to get like a sample of the book on Amazon. And then you can look up the... Because it's right at the beginning. These two family trees for the Goldmans and the Weingolds, which helps people keep track of who everybody is. You do no outlining. You just... No outlining, yeah. I mean, I sometimes have like a running list of notes that I keep, like just a document where I'm... I just keep a track of ideas. Like... Oh, it would be really funny if they do goat yoga, you know? Oh, it would be really funny if they go visit the act the casino. It would be or even personality traits like Amy should be artistic. It would be interesting if she, you know, was a great painter. And like I just keep these running list of notes that I don't even know how I'll always reference, but I guess it just relaxes me that I have written it down, especially because sometimes these ideas come to me in the middle of the night and I take my cell phone, which I keep by my bed, I send myself an email, and then in the morning it gets transferred to this running document. I mean, sometimes when I get to the end of a first draft, I go open that running list of ideas document and I read through it just to make sure that I didn't have any like amazing inspirations that I forgot to include. And sometimes I do come across ideas that I forgot that I had, and then I go back and layer them in. Oh, fun. Do you, as an teaching novel writing at Yale, do you tell your students to do it differently than you do? Or what would you tell your students if they were going to jump in and write a multi-generational, multiple POV novel, what would you tell them? I tell them on day one that I have one goal for them. Well, I have a few goals, but one of my major goals for them by the end of the semester is that they figure out if they're a plotter or a pantser, which as you know, very well is like the term for, you know, do you need to outline? Do you like to plot out your story? Or do you fly by the seat of your pants? And I really don't think one way is better than the other at all. It's really just about finding out who you are and where your best writing emerges. And I tell them to try both. And sometimes they try to free write and they are like freaking out and they feel like they have tremendous security in an outline. And then I have students where it's the exact opposite. The outline format is very daunting to them. And they try both. And I really hope that by the end of the semester, they know who they are. Because I rarely meet an author that goes back and forth between the two. In fact, I don't think I've ever spoken to an author who's like, well, this book I outlined, but then my second novel, I didn't outline. Then I went back. Like, it's just, I think it's like very um, intuitive which one you are. And so I find that it's like one of the key things you have to learn about yourself as a writer, along with like, am I someone that does better if I write a little bit every day? Or can I take substantial breaks? Like, am I better in the morning? Is it good if I read within my genre or I should stay away from reading books in my own genre at the same time? I mean, there's lots of things you can ask yourself and try to figure out. 
but certainly like it's good pretty early on to figure out if you're someone that does better letting the story unfold or figuring it out in advance. What does your writing day look like? So I try to do like administrative stuff Mm -hmm. first so that I can clear my brain. Like I like to like almost like erase the whiteboard in my head. So if I have to, like, I want to post on Instagram, you know, something, um, I do giveaways on Instagram or I want to talk to readers and engage with people who have been commenting about the book. Like I want to get that done. I, you know, coordination for events, sometimes as simple as like send over your headshot or, you know, register for the zoom, like all that kind of stuff that just like piles up. So I try to, you know, kind of clear the cobwebs before I sit down to write. And sometimes clearing the cobwebs takes like hours because it's not just like my work. It's also like dealing with my kids and, you know, just like running a life. So it's like calling and making doctor's appointments and things like that. And then after like many hours of cobweb clearing, then I feel calm and I sit and I write, but I really only write for like two hours a day at most. And how long does it take you to finish a novel? It's about a year, I would say. The Golden Hotel setting is, is a character in this novel. Which came first, the plot or the setting? The setting came first. Uh, I was at lunch with my agent and my editor and we were talking that I wanted to do another family story, another multi-generational story. And my agent suggested the Catskills. And like the minute it was out of her mouth, I was like, yes! And that was it. I was like super sold because the Catskills are having a moment now. I think that there's like a renewed interest in the area for sure. Very cool. What was your research like? I talked to a lot of people who summered in the Catskills, either with their families on vacation or they worked there or they did both. That was very common for decades that like you would grow up the hotel as a guest and then come college, you were a waiter there. And I talked to a bunch of people like that. I talked to a woman, Bunny Grossinger, who came from the Grossinger family that owned like one of the best resorts in the area. And so she was an amazing resource. I visited the area just to get a sense of like the air and the trees and just the feeling and the atmosphere. So I wanted to make sure that I could capture the details accurately because the Borscht Belt and the Catskills is an area that people are really, really attached to. And so like getting it right is really important when you're writing about something that's so special to people. You definitely transported us there. I felt I have my headphones on and I'd be listening while I'm walking my dog in the middle of Kansas, listening, feeling like I'm surrounded by these big trees and I could just feel like I was there. I mean, you did such a beautiful job. Thank you. You know, I went there as a child, although it was definitely, it was after the heyday. Like I went when the writing was already on the wall that like the region was on the decline and the hotels were not in tip top shape. And you could sort of feel the decline everywhere, which was sad. Although as a child, I didn't really realize it, but my parents certainly did. But now there is a revival, but it's of a different sort. This traditional like Borscht Belt where, you know, Jewish families or, and there were enclaves of other, you know, ethnic groups as well that went up to the Catskills, like going for an entire summer that just doesn't happen anymore. And these bungalow colonies that people would rent if they didn't stay at a hotel and they would rent them for 10, 12 weeks. That's not happening anymore. But there is like a hipster version of the cat. That's really hot right now. And there are a few hotels, the Roxbury, Scribner's, Catskill Lodge, like they are cool. Brooklyn, like Golden Hotel 2.0, full of like millennials and Gen Zers with like lots of Instagrammable moments and everything is organic and farm to table and health conscious. And there's sunrise yoga. Is there goat yoga? 
there's goat yoga in the region a hundred percent. And there's learn to make craft beer and all those kinds of trimmings that like that generation really, really wants. So that is happening. And people are buying homes in the Catskills now from New York because it's definitely cheaper than some of our other summer communities and you can get more land. And it's like, it's got a different vibe. The Catskills are cool again. Oh, it's on my list now to visit. I have the floating Feldmans and last summer, both of these are destination novels. So are we going to see more of that? So my next novel is not exactly like that. It's not a vacation story. It's a reunion story. Although again, it, it centers around an event. So just like, you know, the floating Feldman's was about a week on a cruise. And the last summer at the Golden Hotel is about going to um, a hotel for the week to make a big decision and gathering people together while a reunion is the same. It's a long weekend of people coming back together. Although the book, the reunion is a small part of the book. And it's not like, you know, the entire book takes place over those three days. Although that would be like a great book also, because reunions are super interesting. But this book has a, a longer timeline. But... I would love to go back to writing vacation books. I mean, like people love to feel like they're being transported. Especially these days. Golden Hotel gave me... I was in such need of a getaway. Golden Hotel gave me that. And the other thing that you do really well is give us a novel-length story out of a short amount of time. And I think that keeps the tension up. There's a deadline. You know, They're going to get off the ship at the end of the week. They're going to go back to New York. It kind of helps me a little bit because I don't outline. So to have like a bookended, like closed set, so to speak, like it's all going to happen here. And it's all going to happen within a certain amount of days, like helps keep my brain organized. You know, it's not sweeping. I think if I was writing something that took place like over the course of a year and in a million different locations, like then maybe my non outlining might not go as well. But like, at least I put them here and I've dropped them on set. And I know they got to get out in a week, then I can sort of keep tabs on everybody better. Which of your characters most closely resembles your personality? I'd say in this book, probably Amy, uh, because I just relate to her. She's the only child of the Goldman side of the family. So the hotel is owned by two families and she's the only daughter of the Goldmans. And I just really relate to her the most because I'm also a mom of three kids and my parents are very involved in my life. And I'm getting like that whole sandwich generation thing where I feel squeezed. Like I'm trying to do right by my parents. I'm trying to do right by my kids. And like, where is there really like time for me, while Amy's like more of a stay at home mom and I work more, like I feel like inside I identify with her and she wants her children to leave the nest and be successful. But at the same time, she's like, but then what happens to me? And so she feels this tension. I mean, thankfully, I don't have a husband like she has in the book. My station in life and my, you know, current middle age angst, I identify with her the most. You showed us both sides of her in her relationship with her husband, you know, not to give anything away, but there's a point where she kind of has to reevaluate their relationship because of something that he's done. They've been together so long and they have this shared history and they have these children. And he did a beautiful job showing us that pull that she's feeling between doing what she feels is probably right and also honoring what they've shared together. I think that's why we relate to her. We see that vulnerability. She's not going to just slam that door shut until she gets all the information. I mean, because I, I think one of the things I always try to harp on in my books is like people aren't really black and white and not everyone is just a straight up, you know, hero or villain. And 
Like, I think, I mean, he doesn't cheat on her. But, you know, if you think of like cheating, often like friends are like, leave him, leave that, you know, guy, he's awful what he did to you. And then the wife sticks around or vice versa. And the wife cheats and the husband sticks around because like, it's not so easy to pack up. And it's not so easy to like, forget all the good times. And also like, maybe people do mess up, but that doesn't mean that they, you know, are irredeemable. So I try to treat that issue with sensitivity. It was very well done. Do you have any interesting writing quirks? I mean, I think it's probably a weird thing that I don't... Like, I interact with everybody while I'm writing. So I don't close my door. I talk to my kids. I talk to my husband. I answer the phone. I text. Like, I am fully engaged with the world while I'm writing. And I think that's probably a weird thing. I think my brain just needs a lot of stimulation to keep firing. And like a totally quiet room without distraction is actually like my worst nightmare. I work better with commotion. I understand that you are creating a children's book as well. That is really not like a new career for me or anything, but just on a lark, I had an idea for a book. I used to write these letters to my children when they would lose teeth. I would pretend to be the tooth fairy. And instead of just leaving money though, I would write like very long letters about like my journey to pick up their tooth and like all the, you know, excitement and like little insights into their life, you know, just inhabiting the personality of the tooth fairy. And I really enjoyed doing that. And my kids really always saved the letters and they would hang them on their walls and they were really proud of them. And I don't know, I just thought like, oh, there's something there. I should do something with these letters. And then I think for one of my children, I wrote this letter saying that I was taking the tooth. I was like pretending to be the tooth fairy. And I was like, I'm taking your tooth and I'm taking it to the Museum of Lost Teeth. And I was like, that's actually super cute. Like, what if there really was a museum where all the teeth went? And that was it. And then I just couldn't like let go of the idea. So I ended up writing a children's book from the perspective of the first tooth to fall out. And the tooth fairy picks him up and brings him to the museum. And he's a new exhibit, a new admit to the museum. And it was a lot of fun to write. That'll be next fall. So the fall of 2022. What would you tell new writers about finding their tribes? Having a tribe is really important because publishing is a little bit opaque. And especially when you're new, the onboarding is really confusing and you can feel really dumb with some of your questions that seem really dumb and seem like things you should know, but really you don't know. And as much as you think you can just call your agent for everything, I mean, agents are super, super busy and you don't want to be pestering them all the time, especially when like it's something that seems really, really obvious. And so... A tribe is really, really supportive, helpful, and also just like feels good. Like writing is really solitary. So if you build a tribe, then suddenly it's like having colleagues. It's not the same as going into an office every day, but we all talk so often and we're like, have each other's back. And when a new book comes out, we support each other and we put it up on our social media. We really are there for each other to bolster each other's work, answer silly questions and kind of complain about the industry together, which is also really nice. So, and it just happens organically. Like you don't have to just go out and be like, I need to make writer friends today. It just happens over time. Social media is super helpful for that. Like a lot of writers I'm friends with, like I've never even met, but that doesn't matter. Like we have, you know, a support system regardless. What are you reading now? I just finished Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I enjoyed. And I also just finished The Bloom Girls by Amy Pine because I'm interviewing her for her launch. So I finished that. I also enjoyed that. The next four books will all be books that I've been asked to blurb. What is the best writing advice you've received? To just read, read as much as you can. Any advice for somebody just dipping their toe into the writing world? 
besides reading every day, I mean, I do think if you can find the, find the time to at least open your document, I wouldn't say you have to write every day because that's not feasible for everybody, but at least, you know, open your document. If you don't have time to write new material, read over, do an edit. I think that that's really important. And then also take writing classes. You know, if you feel like you don't know what you're doing or you want to have a built-in audience, like they're often in a workshop format. Like I, I took writing classes after I graduated college and law school. Like I signed up in New York City and I took two semesters of writing classes and you read each other's work and you critique each other's work. And the teacher, if you have a good teacher, it can be really valuable. So like writing is a skill that can be taught. Last summer at the Golden Hotel was a fabulous read. So fun and had a little bit of everything. And so thank you for joining me to talk about it. Thank you so much. To learn more, visit AlyssaFriedland.com. Music by Pavel Yudin and photography by Casey Meineke. Sound editing by Podcast Engineers. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review. 